morning, Cold Prez. It is a pleasure to be here with you this morning. Uh, for those of you who may be visiting or who don't know, my name is Mike Ruiz, and I am the pastoral apprentice here at CPC, and I have the great honor and privilege of opening up God's word with you this morning. And as my brother Devin mentioned, we will be in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, and it is a weighty text, and unfortunately, we will not be able to dive into all the, the richness of this passage this morning. But what I would like to do is just walk through it and present some truths to, to place Jesus Christ in all of his glory and all of his splendor and just place him before you so that you could behold him this morning. Uh, Charles Spurgeon once said, uh, prior to one of his sermons, he says, I have nothing to do today except preach Christ Jesus. And that is what I intend to do uh, here today, this morning with you all. Um, but before we dive into this text, let's go before our God in prayer. Father, we come before you this morning with uh, hearts of gratitude and gratefulness that we would find ourselves so greatly privileged to be numbered amongst your redeemed and cared for and loved as your children. We ask you now, Lord, that by the power of your spirit that dwells inside every believer, that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see and grace to obey. May the reading and the preaching of your word this morning cause us to leave from this place with hearts overflowing in worship and devotion for the great triune God who has loved us and saved us. May you be with me, Father, as I seek to serve your flock and glorify you this morning. And may you enable me to speak of you in a way that is faithful to how you have revealed yourself to us in your word. And it is for your, the glory of your name and for the joy of your people that we pray these things in your son's name. Amen. All right, Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to, the angel, to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Expanding souls will encounter and expanding Christ. I'll say that again. Expanding souls will encounter an expanding Christ. Now you may ask, Mike, what do you mean by that? Well, I'll put it another way. As the Christian grows in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Christ becomes bigger, not smaller. The more the Christian reads of Christ, communes with Christ, and partakes of Christ, the more glorious 
and more magnificent Christ is shown to be in the life of the believer. Now this encountering of Christ is something that takes place primarily and ordinarily through time spent in his word. As Christians are bent over their Bibles, as the word is being preached and taught and sung, the Holy Spirit is making Christ known to us. And he is growing us in the grace and the knowledge of him. So if you want a small Jesus, if you want a a manageable, run-of-the-mill Savior, an unimpressive Jesus, well then, brothers and sisters, I suggest that you stay away from this Bible because there there is no small Jesus to be had here. And I most definitely suggest that you stay away from passages like Hebrews chapter 1. Because as you will see, the Jesus that we are presented with here is anything but manageable. He is anything but run-of-the-mill. He is a big Jesus. And so my hope and my prayer for us is that by the grace of God and by the power of his spirit, we would look at these four verses And we would leave here today having encountered Christ Jesus in his word and that he would be greater to us and more magnificent to us when we leave here than when we first came in. That is my goal. I just want to lay Christ before you and allow you to behold him in this passage. So the first thing I want to point out in this passage is that we see Jesus Jesus is the final word of God to his people. The author of Hebrews starts off by contrasting how Yahweh revealed himself in the old covenant with how he has now revealed himself in his son. He says, long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by his son. And I think it's easy for us to read that verse, that verse and a half, and to miss something that's profound and amazing. And that is, from the very beginning, God has always desired to reveal himself and make himself known to his people. He's desired to communicate to his covenant people. Now, I know that Paul says in Romans 1 that God has made himself known to all people, believers and unbelievers alike. Uh, And that's true through his creation, through the things that he has made, believers and non-believers alike can come to know certain things about God, namely his eternal power and his divine nature. That's called general revelation. But more specifically, what we see here is that God has desired to reveal himself and to communicate in a unique and special way to his people. Under the old covenant, he did this through the prophets. And he did it in a variety of ways. He spoke in the thunder and in the lightning to Moses at Mount Sinai. He gave dreams to Daniel and visions to Ezekiel and on and on through many prophets and in many ways, God progressively revealed more of himself and more of his ways 
to his people. And that is amazing. Yet as amazing and as grand as that is, it was lacking. It was incomplete. The words of the prophets themselves looked forward in redemptive history to a new revelation, to a final revelation. Jesus Christ is that final revelation of God. In Jesus Christ, the Son of God, we have God's complete and final word to his people. What was revealed in part through the prophets of old is revealed in full and realized in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the ultimate revelation of God. And that has implications on how we understand the sufficiency of the scriptures. God has left nothing unsaid to his people. Jesus Christ is that final word. And what is that word that the Father speaks through his Son? While this list isn't exhaustive, it is definitely composed of Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. It's I am your God and I am with you and I have come to redeem you. It's, it is finished. The word that the Father speaks to us through his Son is a word of hope. It's a word of comfort. And it's a word of assurance for his people. It's the good news that we must hear constantly and be reminded of often lest we forget. It's the glorious reminder that sin and death does not have the final word in the life of God's people. Jesus is the final word and he has conquered and he has overcome sin and death. And now his victory is his people's victory. Christian, Do you hear that word enough? That's the word I want you to hear today. If you don't hear that word enough, if you, for whatever reason, get gospel amnesia from time to time, I exhort you to get reacquainted with this Jesus and hear again what it is he has to say to you. He is that final word of God. And though he is that final word, he is that ultimate revelation, he still speaks to us today as the Spirit illumines the scriptures to us. Go to his word. Encounter him in his word. Behold him in the scriptures and hear him speak to you. It is finished. Now, as we continue to move through this passage, it also places before us the fact that 
Jesus is the creator who upholds all things. We pick it up in uh, the second part of verse two. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Now I know there is a lot in there. And for the sake of time, as I said before, I will not be able to unpack all of it for us today. But there are a couple of things that I do want to hone in on and lay before you this morning. And that is Jesus as creator and Jesus as sustainer. Now, when you think of the second person of the Trinity, what initially comes to mind? I mean, for myself, we're just coming out of this Advent season, right? It's easy for me to go to the incarnation and to think about how God became flesh, how he was conceived by the Holy Spirit in the womb of Mary and how he was born and placed in a manger and how he grew in wisdom. Um, And I think of his gospel, his gospel ministry, his earthly ministry as is presented to us in the gospels. I think of him as our redeemer, the one who lived and died and resurrected to secure salvation for his people, right? That's predominantly where I go right away when I think of Jesus Christ, second person of the Trinity. And all those things are true and all those things are right and all those things are glorious. But how many of us, when we think of Jesus Christ, the son of God, think of him as creator? Well, that's exactly how this passage in Hebrews presents him. It tells us he is the one through whom the world was created. And the word that is used for world in this passage is the word ionas, which literally means the ages or ages. And one theologian commenting on this detail says, Ages refers to the sum, the total of the periods of time, including all that is manifested in them and through them. Now, I'll I'll give you Mike's remix of that statement. What's being said is that Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, is the agent in whom and through whom the entire universe of space and time was created. Think about that. I'm going to say it again and just let that sink in. Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, is the agent in whom and through whom the entire universe of space and time was created. Now, I looked up a, a few facts here just to kind of give some depth and some context to that statement, all right? The observable universe. What we know about our universe now in 2023 with the technology that we have and what we can see, the observable universe has a radius of 46.5 billion light years, 
which means it has a diameter from one end to the other of 93 billion light years and contains within it up to 2 trillion galaxies. Our Milky Way galaxy is an average size galaxy. And you think of 2 trillion existing in this universe? Jesus did that. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, that's his handiwork. From the smallest speck of dust on my shoes to the outer edges of the universe and beyond, he created it all. And he did not just create it. But now, today, he sustains it. It says he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Just as he brought all things into existence by his spoken word, so too he is upholding it. He is sustaining it by his word. It's just as Paul writes in Colossians 1, as we heard earlier, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. Cola Prez. Do you see this Jesus? That's a big Jesus. Now I mention all this because I want to put on display for you the grandness and the incomparable majesty and the power of the Son of God. He is your creator and he is your sustainer. You were made through him and you were made for him. And by the power of his word, he is holding you together right now as we speak. Christian, the, the God who sustains trillions of galaxies and holds them together by his word has you in his hands. Friends, what what trouble is it that looms over your head and casts a shadow of despair on your soul? What uncertainties keep you up at night in an anxious state, tossing and turning in your bed? What fears? What anxieties? We all have them. I have mine. You have yours. But let's do this. Let's say we do this. Let's, let's take those troubles. Let's take those fears and anxieties and unknowns. And let's 
place them in front of the backdrop of the Christ who upholds galaxies. If he can sustain the universe, he can sustain the struggling saint. He's a big Jesus. And lastly, I want to touch on how Jesus is the high priest who accomplishes salvation for his people. As we come to the final portion of this passage, it says, after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. It's important to understand here that Jesus did something that no, no other man, no Levitical priest ever did or ever could do. He offered the final and the perfect sacrifice that paid for all the sins of his people. He made purification for, for sins, for the sins of saints, past, present, and future. And he did it in one fell swoop. But he did it not with the blood of bulls, not with the blood of goats, but with his very own blood. And then he went and sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Church before Christ, no high priest ever sat down in the sense of completing the work of atonement. The Levitical priesthood of the Old Covenant stood, stood daily. Later on in Hebrews 10, the author will tell us that every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. This sort of endless cycle on repeat every single day and year. But Jesus, Jesus made purifications for sins and from Calvary he proclaimed, it is finished. And then he sat down and he took his seat forever. Seated at the right hand of the majesty on high, exalted and ruling over his creation as king forever. And because he sat down, because he is seated now, we can stand firm. We can stand firm on his word and we could hold fast to his promises. And we can live a life of faith knowing that our God 
has redeemed us, has redeemed us. And that now we stand justified and accepted before the king of the cosmos. Church, that is a big Jesus. And that is the Jesus that is presented to us in this passage. Behold your God, Colaprez. All we need to do is go to his word to be reminded just who this Jesus is. Spend some time in these scriptures just marveling at this God who speaks to us through his word, who sustains galaxies and planets and sinners and saints by his word. Expand your soul by encountering Christ in his word and see Christ expanded before you. That's my hope and that's my prayer for this church in 2023. And that's my hope for myself and for my wife and for my children and for my friends whose faces are staring back at me now as I speak. That our souls would be expanded and stretched as we encounter this Jesus, this Son of God, in his active and living word, and that he will become more glorious and grand to us as we grow in the grace and in the knowledge of him. Church, let us pray. Lord, by your by your grace, may you stir our, our hearts, may you stir our affections to know you more. May we not simply settle for just knowing things about you, but may our, our theology lead us to doxology. May what we know to be true about you lead to worship and praise for who you are. May we truly seek to grow in the grace and the knowledge of you and your son. In his name we pray. Amen.